Amen. Thank you again for being here this morning and for worshiping with us. Uh, I am excited today as we conclude a series and then we'll start something new next week. We've been talking about uh, a disciplined life and so we've looked at several different things and tonight or today as we conclude we are going to look at the thought and the idea of uh, leaving a godly legacy and this this week has been one of those for me in study uh, really throughout the course of this uh, series as a whole uh, there's I, I was sharing with Nathan Nathan and I meet regularly and I was sharing with Nathan uh, you guys get about 45 minutes or so an hour depending on how long I decide to go on that particular day um, of the thoughts that I have uh, and I have to wrestle with it for a week, week and a half, depending on where I'm at with the sermon series and the sermons, and uh, it's usually about a, I don't know, 12, 15, 16, 17 hours of study that go into a sermon, and uh, when, I, when I give to you whatever it is, you guys get that little, that little nugget, and I, I wrestle with it, and this week was one of those weeks, and throughout this series was just a, uh, just it was convicting it was a challenge to study not in a bad way but it was just uh, I just felt like I was wrestling through scripture and it was really good um, but looking at what I believe of who God is that view of who God is as we've talked about and this week looking at the legacy aspect and I sat down at I do a lot of my study at the coffee shop and um, this week I sat and over, I don't know, two or three times I was studying and I listened to music while I'm studying and I'm sitting in my little corner, my little coffee shop office, and I'm just, I'm doing my thing and a, a song comes on, I'm reading, I'm studying, and my, I'm just, I'm dripping tears and I'm like, oh, this is not good, I have to look like an idiot. And, and then later in the week it happened again and I, I texted my wife and I said, I am an absolute mess. I'm like, I'm a mess. These people have to look back in the corner and be like, that guy, what is wrong with this random dude all by himself just crying? Like, but it was one of those weeks as, I, as I've looked at and really the culmination of a lot of these studies that have come together. And I pray that today as we look at this thought, this, the, the discussion of, of legacy, that it really is something that is an encouragement to you and that, it's, that you really hold dear to it. But as we conclude... We have talked about so many different things over the course of weeks and months, and really, uh, I, I almost feel like if we were to go back, if, if many of you were not with us, but we went through the book of Galatians in 34, 5 weeks or so, we took our time, and we had a lot of, just, it was a great study through the book of Galatians, and really looking at the freedoms that we have because of Christ, the freedoms in Christ that we have and, and how God really set us free and we're not to live in bondage and those things. And then from there, we've had so many different series and studies. I, I feel that have all just bounced right back to that from Titus and to looking at our family and looking at really the last several have been with that thought of eternity in mind. Am I thinking, am I living with eternity in mind? And so today as we look at legacy and we looked at Concluding this, this, I choose a disciplined life. Um, as I stated last week, this series has not been one of uh, a discipline in production. 
as much as it has been disciplined, uh, a, a personal aspect of that. I'm not taught on how you can be more disciplined at your workplace and how you can get more things done, um, but rather we looked at 1 Timothy 4, exercise thyself unto, unto godliness, and that our life would be that of godly lifestyle, that we would live a life of godliness. Last week we talked in Hebrews chapter 12, and we looked at the latter end of verse number 2, where it said, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And so for all of us, what we touched on, and, and how we'll bounce into this morning, is if, if the joy of, we, we run a race with a prize at the end. There's a joy at the end. There is something that we're seeking at the end. And Jesus, uh, Jesus the, the statement here is, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, speaking of Jesus. And in John chapter 17, he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me, in, or me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Jesus' joy was that, the goal was that of glorifying his Father. And I stated last week that we have the same thing. Our joy, our eternal purpose, our life, our all of these things, if you would, the, the race that we are running should be with the pursuit of honoring, exalting, glorifying God that we could come to the end of our lives. We could come to the same place and say, I have glorified thee on the earth. Father, I have done all that I can to bring honor and glory to you, your name. That is in large part what we've talked about of bringing that, that disciplined life is, is that we would seek Him. And out of that, everything else flows together. Today we look at a legacy. And as we look at legacy, oftentimes we, we, we look at legacy and we think of the possessions. We think of the inheritance that is passed from generation to generation. We think of a lot of those things. I've done so many different funeral memorial services and and you hear some of the same things over and over and over and over again, the more that you do them. But it talks, it's, it's, it's people sharing stories, it's people sharing laughter, it's all of those things. But when it comes to a godly legacy, a godly legacy is something completely different than what I leave behind, what I give to my children as an inheritance. It's not that my kids would say, oh, dad was funny, and oh, dad was this, and oh, dad was that. No, a godly legacy, I want to read this to you. I, I, this just jumped out at me this week. A godly legacy continues enriching people's lives and bringing God glory throughout eternity because it describes the way a person had treated others based on their love of God. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, we talked about this several months back, that we were called to liberty, that that freedom, that salvation was what? So that, to, that through love we would serve one another. My legacy, a godly legacy, if we are looking at the choices that we are making, and look, we've looked at purpose, we've looked at surrender, we've looked at self-control, we've looked at all of these things, if we are doing all of these things and seeking God in that, and the eternal purposes and the eternal thought, the legacy that we should be that of a godly legacy. If you've been around it at Oasis for any time and you've known me, I've spoken often of my grandfather. I, uh, 
uh, I come from a, uh, a Christian home, and the grandfather and the grandmother that I speak of probably more than anybody are actually not my blood grandmother and grandfather. Uh, my, my grandfather, and I should have put a picture on the screen, but I, I'll bring this one to you and you can look at it from a distance. But my grandfather and my grandmother, we called them, it was Grandpa and Grandma Benningfield. Uh, I was one of two that got to call them Grandma and Grandpa. They had no children of their own, but they adopted myself and another young lady named Christy, and we would call them Grandma and Grandpa. He pastored a church in Akron, Ohio for about 52, 53 years. He was the pastor for my parents when they were children. He was the man who led my grandparents to the Lord, who would ultimately eventually lead my parents to the Lord, which would ultimately come down to me. He was a man to me that was a hero. I, I didn't get a chance to know him the way that so many others that I know had, because I was young. I was 18 when he passed away. I wish I could ask him questions today. We all kind of say that for people that have passed on, but I feel like I was, I was robbed because now I'm in ministry and he was in ministry. And, but he would always say certain things to me and he would, always re, he would always quote scripture to me. And anytime that I would sit down at his house, we would go to his house after church oftentimes and we went to a restaurant called Brownies. He taught me how to eat fried shrimp. Why fried shrimp? I have no idea. I don't like any form of fish really, but I eat fried shrimp. It's disgusting. But anyway. We would go to Brownie's, we would go to his house, and he would go down to the store, which was down the road, Clicks, Acme Clicks, and they were excited about that. <laughs> but he would always say, go grab a car, or grab a truck, and I had a little spot in the closet with all of my things for Grandma and Grandpa's house, and we would sit down and we would talk, play with the cars. And we would have Ritz crackers and cheese. There's a lot of things I remember. There's a lot of things that he gave to me. If you go into my office, uh, I have a lot of really old books. He gave me his library when he retired. And on my desk, I have several things. I have his Bible. I'm actually using his Bible today just out of the illustration of my grandma gave to him in 1953. I have things like this, which is just a day planner. 1968, and inside of it is just notes after notes that I cannot read because it was sloppy, sloppy writing, like mine. Miss um, <laughs> Huggins always tells me about my horrible writing. Um, but it's, it's things, these, these mean a lot. But the greatest legacy that my grandfather gave me this is priceless to me because I can look at it. These are sermon notes. These are sitting down at home and just, you know, this one, Luke 7, 41 to 43. Um, two debtors, and he just wrote thoughts. But the legacy that's really neat, that really hit me this week, that I, I it's not that I never thought of it before, but He's leaving, he left the legacy, he passed away in 1998. He had no idea who any of you were. And in 1998, none of you knew who I was. None of you knew who a Flanagan was. But today, 
22 years after his passing, you are all a part of the legacy that was left by a man who was faithful, who came to know Christ in his uh, early 20s at a rescue mission type of an event, and who began to preach at the Akron Rescue Mission. Haven of Rest, I think it was what it was called. But you're all a part of that. And so when we begin to look at legacy, and we begin to look at this choosing a disciplined life, and we begin to look at all of these things, I think all of us can have a personal story of somebody that has invested that now is making an eternal impact in your life. But at the same time, I have that same opportunity for those that would come behind me, for my children, Lord willing, my grandchildren, maybe great-grandchildren one day, I don't know, but I have that same opportunity based on the choices that I make, based on some of these same exact things that we've been talking about. If I would choose to surrender, if I would choose to look at God in the way that I ought to look at God, if I would choose to do certain things, the legacy that is left is impactful not just to my children, but to generations and generations and generations to come. And so this morning as we look at some of this, in Psalm chapter 111 and verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Psalm chapter 112, which is where we'll be this morning, praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man that what? Feareth the Lord, that delighteth in his commandments. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, was writing and he was uh, fighting in many regards, fighting to find joy. We talked about that hole that's in our heart last week. But I, I took this statement straight out of my study Bible at the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes. And it says this, power, popularity, prestige, pleasure, nothing can fill the God-shaped void in man's life but God himself. But once... From God's perspective, life takes on meaning and purpose, causing Solomon to exclaim, eat, drink, rejoice, do good, live joyfully, fear God, keep his commandments. The very last verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 said that, say this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, for God shall bring Everything, or for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So this morning, I, I, I pray as we look at this, as we look at the, the legacy that is, that is before us, that we have the opportunity to leave to people behind us, that we would look at and begin to think through and choose some of the things that we've talked about that we would choose to surrender ourselves, that we would choose to live a life with purpose, that we would choose to live a life of self-control because we understand the hole that's in our heart is only able to be filled by God. And when we fill it with other stuff, we're going to constantly have to try to fill it again and again and again and again. But when we allow God to hold that place, when we allow God to be the one that's giving that, we can have self-control, we can make the right choices, we can do those things which ultimately leave an impact generations to come behind us. Psalm chapter 112 is where we'll be this morning, and I pray that it will be, uh, that God would speak to you through it. 
If you have your Bible with you, Psalm chapter 112, I'll read these 10 verses and then we'll jump into three simple thoughts. Praise you the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. (coughs) Excuse me. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you today. I pray that we would come with our hearts opened. I pray that we would come with our, uh, our hearts and our minds open to what you would have for us. God, that you would speak truth through your word that would pierce our hearts, that would cause us, spur us to action, to seek you in a more intimate manner. Father, I pray that you would meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thought this morning is this, in leaving a godly legacy, I must evaluate my relationship with the Lord. Uh, This verse states right off the bat, praise you the Lord. Really, that's that's an exaltation. That's a a hallelujah. I don't know how many of you have, maybe you sang the song this morning that Dan was so excited about. Praise God. Did anybody shout out? Awesome. Thank you. You made him happy. Um, but no, if, we, if we're living that life, we're shouting that out, we are, and that's what this is stating. And all of that comes from a heart of those that are seeking God in a genuine manner. Have you ever met somebody? Uh, I, I, I think I've said this a lot lately, but you've met that person that it just glows. They, they radiate with the joy of the Lord. And have you watched them worship God? Have you ever seen that person where it's genuinely just a joy to watch them? And then have you ever watched the person that attempts to act like they have that? They can at times act like that, but it's also not the same. And that thought here of praising God, that very beginning, it's, it's, a, it's a somebody that is seeking after God. It is somebody that is just excited, genuinely seeking God. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man, it says, that feareth the Lord. We teach our children to fear danger. We teach them to be cautious when they cross a street. We teach them to be cautious with sharp objects. We teach them to be uh, fearful of strangers that come to meet them. We teach them all of those things. So there is an aspect of fear that ought to be rational. There's an aspect of fear that would energize us in the sense of protection. Our certain times where there's things that come, well, that's a, that's a natural thing. The psalmist writes of fear that can paralyze and make life miserable. If you've known somebody that is fearful that is paralyzed, 
To overcome these fears, we, we must cultivate a right relationship with the Lord. We fear Him. Learn His will from His Word and obey what He commands. Learning His will and doing it is not burdensome because it is a delight as we delight in His Word. Fear and delight can live together in the same heart because they are tied together by love. We ought to love the Lord, thus His commands are not a burden to us. The psalm describes a person that praises God, that stands in awe of the Lord, delighting in that fellowship and seeking obedience. I loved this statement that I, was, that I listened to uh, over the last several weeks in a book that I was reading. And it speaks of a willful obedience that brings about a blessing and happiness. A willful obedience. I ought to have a delight a willful obedience as I go through Scripture. So many people will speak of, you know, when you, when, if you ask them, hey, would you like to know about Jesus? Or would they talk about that relationship with God? And what do they say? They'll make some kind of a statement. If I do that, then I have to get rid of all of this stuff and I won't have any fun. Have you ever heard that? Well, if I become a Christian, if I have to go to church, I'm not going to be able to have any fun. Because they've given way to the enemies thinking and the deception that this is fun i don't know what this is but you know they begin to think that these are the things the the, the drugs and the alcohol and the sex and the 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 language and the this going this place and going to that place and all of these things they're just fun and if i if i have to go ugh, and i'm gonna have to go to church I'm going to not be allowed to go to this place or I'm not going to be allowed to do this thing. And they say it like what? I'm not allowed to do these things anymore. Because God just says you're not allowed to have fun. That's part of being a, a Jesus follower, just not fun people. No, but the world has said these are the fun things. And people go, well, I'm not going to be allowed to do that. It's a delight to love God's word, and to be obedient in it. The greatest joy that you can experience is not by doing those things. As a matter of fact, many of you pray for people that you know that are in those things, that have now been addicted to those things, or been a part of that lifestyle, have destroyed their marriages, have destroyed their own lives, their lives physically, health-wise, are completely in shambles. Why? Because it was fun. God's word speaks of that fear, the fear of the Lord that delight greatly in his commands. It's a person that stands in awe, willfully obedient, that it starts with fear and personal relationship with the Lord. I would ask you this this morning, are you in relationship with the Lord? Have you acknowledged that God created you to be in relationship with him and that our sin separated us and there must be reconciliation. Are you, are you aware that God created Adam and Eve and it said that they walked in the garden, they communed together in the garden until what? They ate of the fruit, they disobeyed, they sinned. In that sin, there was separation. They no longer were walking together. There had to be a reconciliation. Our sin breaks that relationship. We must be reconciled to a right relationship. And it is done that God sent His Son to die upon a cross 
And he took that first step to reconcile, and we must then respond by seeking him in repentance of our sin. I ask you, are you in relationship with God? One who is in a right relationship with the Lord can delight in that commandment. This delight comes from loving his word, loving him. That fear of the Lord leads us to loving his word, to keeping those commands. Happiness and delight come from that. As we look at this legacy, as we look at this passage of Scripture, it speaks that we would delight greatly in His commands, and then it it goes on to speaking of the seed that would be mighty upon the earth. When this is our delight, when it is our delight to follow and seek the Word of God, It becomes visible to others, and in that, it becomes life-changing, not just to us, but to those that are around it. See, our descendants, it says, our seed might be mighty upon the earth. That generations would be upright and blessed. Righteousness would endure forever. Under the old covenant, the material wealth was one of the evidences of the Lord's blessing. And so as we look at the Old Testament, a lot of times it would speak to that. We don't have that today, um, but in the old covenant, it would speak to that blessing of material wealth. However, the Lord delights in those who love Him. He delights in our faithfulness. He delights in our willful obedience to Him. It leads to upright, to an upright generation. It leads to a morality. It leads to, uh, because of that relationship, it speaks of here that that seed would be mighty upon the earth, that the generation would be upright, speaking of morality and, and, and correctness and, and, and seeking of the Lord. Wealth and riches shall be in the house and His righteousness would endure forever. I can't guarantee that my children would follow after my footsteps in loving the Lord. But I can do everything within my power to live a life of honoring God, of seeking God, of of teaching them, of showing them, of living in front of them, of guiding them, of directing them, to point them in the way and trusting that God would do what God has said that He would do in my desire to be faithful to Him. And in that, it speaks of just that. It may sound silly because it wasn't, but it was a man's faithfulness of teaching the Word of God that my grandparents came to know God, that their children came to know God, that I now know Christ as Savior, that my children know Christ as Savior. Why? Because one man decided to leave a legacy of teaching the gospel message and presenting that to a family. Because he had a relationship, and he loved God, and he showed it to others. And I'm a product of a mom and dad, a husband and wife, who are not perfect by any means, but they loved each other. They love God, they love each other, they showed that to us, they taught that to us, they expressed it to us, they brought us along with it in church, and they did all of those things, and I have a desire, why? In large part because I've seen it. Because I watched a relationship. I saw my mom on her knees every morning. It's a relationship that's the beginning of the legacy that is built. 
in leaving a godly legacy, I will have great, a gracious and generous heart. In verse number four, unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Uh, it's, look at that. As I seek to have that right relationship, as I place him as the only one in my life, as I truly seek him, my heart will be transformed, which will bring an outcome that will lead to that godly legacy. Again, as the inside changes, the outward begins to change. It says it leads to guidance, being light in the darkness. I, I, I don't think I have to speak much of this, and I'm not. But if you live a life that is honoring to God today, that light is very obvious in and amongst the world in which we live. It's obvious. You can, you can pick out the one that lives a gracious and a God-fearing life. I shouldn't say simple and easy, but in the darkness in which we live, it's not the most difficult thing to look around because it's obvious. You can see it on somebody. It speaks of that. There arises light in darkness. We live in dark days. And as you are in genuine relationship with the Lord, as a genuine relationship with God, there's a guidance that would lead us. We have and show, it says, a gracious, a graciousness that only comes from the Lord. I wonder if, if, if you today, in your walk with God and in your dealings with people, are you gracious to people? We don't live in a very gracious society. 2020 has not, very, has not produced a lot of grace Agree? There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of just everyone walking on eggshells and an uneasiness in the church, out of the church. It's just this, like, uh, you just, you feel weird. We were at Walmart the other day, and I just was walking. I just, like, Walmart's a, I mean, it's Walmart. But I... I like people. I don't, I just, I enjoy people. I love watching people. I enjoy just, but I just, I just felt like everybody, I just, I felt at, I just felt uneasy walking through the store at Walmart. I was looking at people I'm, and I'm just like, the way that they looked, the way that they were walking, the way that this and that, and I just, I just felt an uneasiness. I wonder if, if we interact with people with grace this passage speaks of that that the upright is light and darkness but you are also gracious in Luke chapter 4 and 22 all bear him witness the people that were watching Jesus and were talking and looking at him and it says and they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth I wonder if we speak gracious words to others around us if we live gracious lives and speak grace to others not only that it says that there was compassion Jesus was moved with compassion when he wept over a city he was a compassionate God he was uh, he wept at the loss of his friend Lazarus Jesus was a man that was full of compassion 
See, God came into a world where sorrow and sickness preyed on all. A world where oppression was used by those that were in great power. Where poverty and want were common and his heart ached for them. He walked endless miles to serve and to show a love, a grace, a compassion to people that ultimately would spit upon his face and reject him. But yet he lived a gracious life. He lived a life of compassion. I wonder how many times we show grace and compassion. I will promise you this. If you live a life showing grace and compassion because you are walking with God, I will promise you, you will be one of few in most people's lives that are gracious and have a love towards people. I don't know how many times people have said, Pastor or Aaron, I don't know why you, had, you would do that. And I just look at them and, well, I'm just, just trying to help, right? Just, what do you want for that? I don't want anything. How much do I owe you? You don't owe me anything. Many of you have been in the same situation. You do something for somebody and they are shocked because you just wanted to do it for them and you're not asking for something in return. You're showing them grace and compassion. It will go on and it speaks of generosity of all of those things. He was a giver. He was a gracious man in his heart. He was kind, but it went beyond that. I wonder if we have a heart of graciousness in giving to the Lord and others. Do we show and teach this? In this passage it says what? In verse number 5, A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. If you are leaving a godly legacy and we're looking at this and we're leaving, living a life that is honoring to the Lord we are living a life that would be moral. We're living a, ri- a life that is, as it speaks here, uh, there's, there's the mighty upon the earth, uh, righteous, enduring forever. Uh, we're looking at the light and darkness, gracious and compassion, generosity, discretion. Not many people have discretion. We do and say what we want. Not many people are generous because it's mine but God's word says the complete opposite of all of those things and in leaving a godly legacy I think of it even in terms of of generosity Uh, my me and my family we give to our church I believe that God speaks of giving to the church of giving a tithe and giving above that if you're able to but I don't do that with our home in the sense of well we just do it and I hope my kids figure it out one day we try to teach our children. My kids like to work to make money. Any of you have kids that like money? So my kids like to have money. They like to go to Walmart. They like to go to Target. They like to go to any place that has a toy, baby doll, a writing utensil, ever. Can I buy this? Can I have this? Can I, can I, can I, can I? Because that's what kids do. So we've tried to teach them to work. So that they can have those things. It's pretty, it's really weird how that works. But then when they come home, Riley works, she'll go out to the ranch 
with many of you know Big Jim, and she'll go, and she's been doing this now for what four years, five years, and she she's a wrangler at the at the ranch. Ethan goes out sometimes, and but they they work. They clean dog poo from the neighbors' houses, and people at church give them five dollars to clean up their mess in the backyard. They do those things, but when they come home, hey, how much money did you make? Oh, I got five bucks. Awesome. What's 10% of that? We're teaching them math. It's good. But then we're asking them, and we try to teach them why we now give it to God. God, look, what, look how much God gave to you, and we're just going to give a little bit back because we love the Lord because of his provision for that. Because it's all his anyways, and he doesn't have to give us anything. And we have pictures of a couple kids on our refrigerator from Haiti that we sponsor from New Missions, which is an organization that we sponsor as a church. And they have those, there's a couple pictures on our refrigerator. And they're a part of that. Why we want to teach them generosity. It's not just this is what we do, this is what we're leaving a legacy as you as parents, as you as adults, as us as believers. We're not just to take it. Ah, this is just what I do. No, we're going to take it. We're going to do it. We're going to live it. But I want to teach that. I want to show you why we do those things. And we got to take it one step further. It's not good enough just to say it and act it. We've got to teach it to the next generation and show them what that is like. In leaving a godly legacy, we must examine and we must evaluate, was the word I used, our relationship with the Lord. In leaving a godly legacy, we have to be gracious and generous. And in leaving a godly legacy, I must have a secure and fixed heart. There is a security in the one who has the right relationship with the Lord. There is an eternal security, yes, that God uh, says that he would, he would never allow us to be plucked out of his Father's hands, but there's also a security that it gives us right here on this earth as we live, as we walk and talk and do these things. Why? Because we trust God, we love him. If we look at this passage of Scripture, the last few verses in 6, 7, and 8, surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. When we look at those, those three verses, every one of those verses, it says he would not be moved. It says that he would be fixed. And it says that he would be established. All of those are words that speak of being grounded in two. When you're established into something, you are grounded solid. When you are fixed, when something is fixed, it is fixed it's it's not moving it's there and so when we look at that that brings about security it brings about stability it brings about a happiness that cannot be moved forever the enemy attempts to come in and destroy it yet when we are grounded in the word of god when we are set that foundation we may be hit we may the winds may come the things might happen life is going to happen but when we are solid and grounded in god's word as we've talked for months and months really we may be wavered, but we will not move. We have stability. We have security inside of that because we've built it upon a solid place. So I want to tell you today, 
There's a lot of people on this earth that on this earth that when I'm gone or even now that have no idea who Aaron Flanagan is and they'll never know who Aaron Flanagan was. And that's okay. Because I I'm here to bring honor to him. And our problem, my problem is I want to be liked. I want to have a larger church. I want to have a larger everything because that's what it is. If it's bigger, it has to be better, right? That's what we're told. And so we, we look at all of these things, and it's not, that's not it. See, if this church ran 5,000, that doesn't make me any more secure if my walk with God is not secure in Him and I'm not fixed in Him. It doesn't make me any better. My name may be different, but here's the reality. My name is known by Him, and we ought to be settled in that. We need to be that place where we are secure in that. That we are secure in Him. That we don't have and allow the fears and the other things to push us. Because in Him we have security. In Him there is that stability. We may not praise Him for what happens, but we can praise Him in what happens. God is still on the throne this morning. This morning, with the 8.30 service and that, that of stability and security, I've, I've been very fortunate to travel to many places around the world. Um, I've been fortunate to travel many places in the States. And from in the States to around the world, there's been several times where I've went to lay my head down at, at night and I just wasn't really secure. Have you ever felt like that? And you're, you're just kind of like, eh, you just don't sleep real well. You're a little restless at nighttime because of, has anybody ever had a neighbor that was broken into or something happened in your neighborhood and you, uh, you don't sleep very well for a day or two because you're just uneasy? There's a restlessness there. I'll never forget, I was in Egypt. And uh, as we were in Egypt, the... Um, I mean, they don't necessarily love the kind of teaching that we teach. Let's just, we'll put it there. So everywhere that we went, we had, we had a security team that went before us. We had a security team that was behind us. And we had men that were with us. And their guns were really big. That's all that I know. The guy that was with us, like, I have a, a handgun. I have a, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not, but I have one. And uh, mine is just normal. This dude's covered, like, half of his leg. And I'm like, I don't know what that dude has, but that is a big gun. And I'm like, I'm feeling good right beside this guy. But when it was bedtime, we were in a little compound and it's just a little bit of an uneasiness when you go to bed knowing that there's guys around that are security people. But then at the same time, you're thinking, I'm at a place where I have to have men on the roof with guns because it's really not secure. So outside of the fact that we were in a huge time change and I was exhausted, I, I didn't really sleep too well initially because I wasn't secure. When we're secure in God's word, he brings about that stability, which brings about a peace.
which brings about all of these things. And when we look at God's word, what does it say? The very next passage in verse, or verse in, in number 10, it says this, the wicked shall see it. So the wicked, there's a contrast here. The wicked are seeing it. And what does it say about them? They are grieved. How can you be grieved because I'm at peace? How can you be grieved because I'm comfortable? How can you be grieved because I have a walk with God and that I'm living graciously and that I am living a life of, of compassion and that I'm living a life of all that God has called for me to do? How can you be grieved over that? But that's what it says. The wicked would be grieved that they would gnash with their teeth and that they would melt away and the wicked, the desire of the wicked would perish. The things of this earth do not last. Just watch some TV and find out what they believe about you. They don't like your peace in Jesus Christ. They don't like your hope in Jesus Christ. They don't like a lot of those things. And I step back and I go, this makes no sense. I have, that's nothing to do with you. Why do you hate that I have that happiness and joy? But it says in God's word that they will be grieved and that they will gnash their teeth. What happens when you get angry? Do you ever just kind of clench your jaw? Oh! Why? That's what God's word says. The wicked will be grieved at your peace and comfort and love so this morning as we kind of close out we've talked about a lot of things over the last couple weeks but as we look at this disciplined life I believe that if we are living a life that's fearing God and honoring God and looking at him for who he is and what God's word says and we have that purpose of knowing him and relationship and we're we're, we're doing that and we've given us complete surrender of our life and said, God, here it is. I, I, I'm leaving it all at your feet and I'm striving to live a life that is under self-control because I love you, because of all of these things that I'm experiencing and that I fear you and that I'm seeing you and that I, I, I do all of those things. We will leave a godly legacy. You can leave a godly legacy for your children, for your grandchildren, you can leave a godly legacy for your spouse. You can leave a godly legacy for the neighbors, for the family members that are looking at you, whatever. Whether they like you or they don't like you today, it is not my job to make somebody like me. It is my job to live a life that is gracious and full of compassion and loving God. And as God would bring and move in their heart and the Holy Spirit would do whatever he's doing, I pray that people like me, but I can't control that. All I can do is continue to honor God. And one day I won't be here. And I pray that the legacy that I leave to my children, maybe my grandchildren or great-grandchildren, for years and years and years to come, would be one that would point people to the Father. When we choose a disciplined life, we're choosing to leave a godly legacy to those that are around us. I, I have been so blessed in my life from my family. But it was like this week it hit me as I was studying this that a lot of that comes because of the man that I called Grandpa. And somebody, I believe it was Dallas Billingsley, Billington is his name, was a pastor of Akron Baptist Temple. 
back in the 40s, 50s that led my grandfather to the Lord. It, it's just one, it, it, it's a never-ending cycle that enriches the lives of others for the sake of Jesus Christ. Why? Because somebody was faithful and they, they desired to leave a godly legacy. Let me ask you this morning. Do you have the personal relationship with him? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? There's nothing wavering, there's no doubt in your mind that you would say, yes, I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's where it starts. And let me ask you, Christian, when was the last time you evaluated that relationship where you were at in your walk with God? Are you living a life that is gracious and generous? Do you have a heart that is loving and compassionate and full of grace to the best of your ability? It's not okay to say, well, that's just who I am. It's not acceptable. It's not good to be like, well, my personality is just this and this is just who I am. No, no, God didn't make you that way to be a jerk. I have a personality that can be a jerk. And I have to say sorry a lot because at times I am blunt and it can be a jerkish statement. But that's not acceptable. Am I gracious? Am I full of compassion? Do I have a generous heart? Are you secure? Are you living in security of the Lord? Or are you living in fear? Today, you have a choice. I have a choice where I could live a life and leave a godly legacy and use to enrich people's lives, bringing God glory. Or I can do what I want today and be all right and not point anybody to the Lord. Those are our decisions. And that's it. That's it. That's, that's, what's rest, that's what we wrestle with. I said it last week, is am I, uh, I'm going to butcher the statement, but am I, am I going to choose to do what's, what I want today or choose what is best, what my end goal is? And we just want to thank you again for joining us today. We pray that the service has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. Here at Oasis, we have a desire to walk alongside of you, to be a partner in your walk with the Lord. So if you have made any decision today, we would love to celebrate and pray with you. So if you can please do us a favor and fill out a connect form or text decision to the number provided below. Oasis is supported by faithful people like you. So if you have a desire to give to the mission and ministry of Oasis, you can text give to the number provided below, click on the give link or mail in your gift to the church office. Lastly, we have a desire to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, you can email us at prayer at oasislv.church. Church, as we saw today and will continue to see, living in the fear of God empowers us to choose purpose, and it helps us surrender to the Lord. It causes us to live a disciplined life, leaving a godly legacy. So let's go and leave a legacy of a passionate follower of Christ.